You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. The Sons of the Shoe rides again. Nick Wilson, Spencer German with you. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Once again, the giving tree that is Buckeyes football continues to give us the latest in awesome news, interesting news. We've got a, a continued reaction on the Ross Bjork hire in what seems to be some uh, in no way seller's remorse from the AM community. We've got to get into Portal Madness, which could deliver the Buckeyes the final or the one or two final pieces to a very strong offseason. And yet, Spencer German, today, as we gathered together in the hallowed halls of wherever the F you are and where the F I am, <laughs> it is the unthinkable, the thing that we thought, and we, you and I talked about the off-air, like when do we have the should Ryan Day give up play-calling conversation? And a lot of our reticence to already have this podcast in hand, this version of this conversation was, well, let's see what he does on his coaching staff. And it kind of was a slow trickle, right? You got the safeties move, a safeties coach move. Then you got the special teams coach move. Then there was the Corey Dennis move. And then last night, and I remember texting you, I was like, hey, there's some scuttlebutt out there that – that the new OC could be announced tomorrow morning. And I was like, I was in this, this, this crisis of when do we tape the podcast? Because I, I want to make sure we get this news in and the, the football gods were kind to us again. Last night it came out, Bill O'Brien, former Penn state head coach, former, oh, I don't know, Houston Texans head coach, Bama OC, new England Patriots OC is the next OC of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'll start by saying we have been, I mean, it, it, I don't know, like maybe Michigan needs to win a national championship more often so that we get all this, we get Ohio State just going all in, balls to the wall. Let's get this thing figured out um, because we have been given like a gold mine of news since, really since Ohio State season has ended, but also in the last week since obviously week plus now, that Michigan's won a national championship because they understand the assignment, right? Like Ryan Day knows he has to beat that team next year and he's got to be competing for national championships. And to see this all kind of come into fruition and play out the way it has with so much just news and movement and changes, it's uh, it's been great for us to talk about. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to look at gift horse in the mouth. It's It's been awesome to, to have so much to talk about. And our latest one is this Bill O'Brien hire. What's interesting to me about all this is that I think you and I feel pretty level-headed about this. And I was actually on the airwaves on 92 through the fan um, when this news came down. So I had a chance to kind of react in real time. And I go to break and my board up at the time, I'll I'll give Jax a shout out. Jax was my board up. He was like, Spencer, you might be the only person who seems like even remotely happy about this. Like on, on social media, people are just replying to Pete Thamel's tweet about this hire saying the guy sucks. Um, there was the tweet about that I saw some people sharing that he's never won an, uh, he never won a national championship with Nick Saban and in a couple of years he's been with him and he never won a Super Bowl when he was working with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in New England and all these different things about how his offense is, is bad and archaic and blah, 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 blah. And I just sit there and I'm like, 
Well, first of all, it, what's ironic? What, maybe the most ironic thing about all this, Nick, is that in Cleveland, we're having conversations right now about Kevin Stefanski and his new OC and who's going to take on the play calling duties. And I know Ohio State fans don't necessarily care about this, but what what's funny is I was literally seeing people on social media tweeting about how oh Bill O'Brien would be a great OC in, in Cleveland because he's worked with Deshaun Watson and he got a lot out of Deshaun Watson. They should maybe hire him. So this maybe only applies to Cleveland, Ohio State fans, which there are a good number of, so that's that's fair. And I, th- I think a lot of them probably listen to the show because we're a Cleveland-based station. But um, but he's so he's good enough to be the offensive coordinator on your pro football team, but he's not good enough to be the offensive coordinator on your college team? I, I don't understand the math there. Like now all of a sudden you hate it because it's Ohio state versus versus uh versus the Browns that I, I don't understand. Like make it make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I don't understand the, it honestly, it is the amount of negative reception to this. I, I actually did when I saw Bill O'Brien and, you know, the message boards had kind of been linking Bill O'Brien to this opening for longer than almost anybody. And the other names that we thought, we're in the running. We're Toledo head coach uh, Jason Candle. He yeah. was in the running for the Miami OC job a couple of years ago. He's been in the running for a few different offensive coordinator gigs, but has not pulled the trigger. Uh, it was Liam Cohen, the uh, OC at uh, Kentucky, that has Sean McVay ties back to the LA t- uh, the LA Rams, and then it was who am I forgetting? There's um, one v- very obvious guy that I just am not. That, but there was there was a third candidate, but. I remember yeah, Bill, those three vivid. Those are the three I remember the most. I'm trying to think who the other one was. But Bill O'Brien was kind of the guy that had been around. And so I, I knew, like, just based off message boards and everything, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a universally beloved hire. But I'm, I'm a little caught off guard at the extent of it. You know, some of the initial reactions were, well, you know, is he is he really an upgrade over Ryan Day as a play caller? Um, you know, it, why not Brian Hartline? Are you going to lose Brian Hartline? Um, oh, well, but he didn't win this, or he was forced out of Tuscaloosa by Nick Saban, or look at what the, the Patriots offense was last year. And by the way, there's some validity to a lot of these conversations. Here's what I think Buckeyes fans are missing though, Spencer, which is the number one takeaway is I don't think that Bill O'Brien comes to Columbus without getting play calling duties no chance and i and i think you know it's so funny because like i i I kind of look at ryan day and kevin stefanski in a similar light as two youngish they're not they're they're getting a little older but they're they're youngish offensive guys they're really really bright and what got them hired was their ability to scheme up an offense and to make you know to have these explosive offenses that score an ass load of points and all this stuff but as you get deeper into being a head coach, all of a sudden, especially in college football, other things start to take precedence when you're the head coach. And you can't just sit back and scheme up everything and drop all the plays and do all that stuff. And it doesn't mean he's not good at it, although there's some evidence that he might not be the, as, as good as we thought he was when he was uh, Urban's OC. But like, it doesn't mean that he's not good at it. What it means is that there's only 24 hours in a day and no, he could be the single greatest play caller in the history of play callers. If that took away from him being a good head coach, or if that made him 10% less of a good head coach, because he was too busy thinking about play calling in the middle of a game, 
then then there's no amount that he couldn't there's no amount of greatness as a play caller that would substantiate costing him as a head coach and i think this season or this offseason has been about removing any doubt and giving himself the perfect opportunity to be in the best position to springboard this next year from what some people look as a win or die year and turning this into let's build the thing that the that you know let's build the bedrock of what this thing's going to be built on for the next decade. And so I look at this as a good moment for Ryan Day, whether he was told to do this or not, because I think that's a fair point. He could have been instructed, all right, it's time you make these changes. We don't know. But for him to make this change, I think is a positive sign. And I think going to a guy who has experience, who's coached in big games, who's who's been a honestly, the guy won a butt ton of games as a head coach in Houston, which ain't easy. And as a guy who has been at the uh, you know, the right hand man of both Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, who has wide experience, like in all these sort of schemes who in Houston ran Clemson plays, despite that not being anything close to what he ran in the NFL or at Penn State. Like, I don't know what more you could ask for out of this hire. And it all starts with the fact that Ryan Day now gets to be more of a CEO as a head coach and and somebody he's got there he can now trust to go ahead and actually do the heavy lifting. And I, I think, I don't know how you can look at this as an awful hire or an embarrassing hire or anything like that. I mean, I think from an experience standpoint, he's got what you're looking for. He's worked with two of the greatest coaches of all time, best ever in the NFL, best ever at the college level. I mean, that speaks for itself. Um, I think if you have worries about his offense, like I guess I understand that to an extent. And there were some issues when he was at Bama. People said the offense wasn't quite as prolific. But I go back and I look up the numbers and like, guys, they they put up – 40, 40 points the one year per game, made the cultural playoff. They made the championship game, and they lost to Georgia, who they had to play twice that year. And they beat them the first time pretty substantially. And then the second time, Georgia just played a better game, and they they got the better of them in the championship game. But again, it's a, it's a, it's a conference opponent. It's a team that knows you. And you ended up meeting them again, and they got you. And then the second year was not this past season, the season before, where they got the two losses. They lost to Tennessee. Um, and who, who was their other? I forget off the top of my head what their other loss was, but they, they don't make the playoff and like, yeah, like that's a disappointing season by Alabama standards. And, and Nick Saban did the thing Nick Saban does, which is, okay, I think it's time to move on. And we're going to send you to, we're going to get you a promotion as our way of almost firing you. Right. He always finds a way to like find a soft landing for his assistance that he brings on, but he still was good enough at one point to go work with Nick Saban. And I think that's, to me, like if you're looking for Ryan Day to change his philosophy and change his mindset, and and by the way, Nick Saban now exit stage left, there's an opportunity here to take the reins of the college football game and make it yours and be the team that's like dominating the NIL era um, if you do it right. And it sounds like they've got their money in order and they're starting to really bring people in and keep people around and they, they're off, they're throwing money left and right. So that part's kind of taking care of itself after the Michigan championship run. And now it's up to Ryan Day to sort of pull the right strings and make the right decisions. And to me, like, this feels like a Nick Saban decision, not just because he worked for Nick Saban, but I'm envisioning this as being like, okay, Bill O'Brien's probably here for a couple years. Maybe he gets promoted and gets an NFL job or something else and finds himself back there, or he gets a head coaching job at some point. Who knows? But it, it, it opens the door for you to then find a new OC later 
And the the big thing for me, which you bring up, is that he's finally conceded, like, I'm okay giving this thing up. I'm okay giving up the play calling for the betterment of the team and making sure that we're focusing on – I'm focusing on the right things so that we can win football games and we can be a national championship contender. It doesn't mean he doesn't have any say in the offense. I'm sure he's still going to um, collaborate on things and have some things to say and some things to contribute. But I – like, and and maybe now he can focus more on those fourth down decisions and he's making – He's being more aggressive. I don't know what this phrase I'm about to do wholly, but I, I think like, I, I guess I understand some of the complaints and gripes about Bill O'Brien. If you want to point out that he's ringless or whatever, fine. But I, I think at face value, I don't have an issue with this. And it feels like the type of move that is positioning yourself to have the right people in power to, to call the shots and move this team in the right direction. Like a lot of the stuff that we've seen play out since the se- since the off season began has been as well. Um, Ryan Day was ringless when he was hired as the head coach. Uh, Tom Herman was ringless when he came over from Iowa State with Urban. Um, you know, Jim Tressel had not won a major championship as a D1 head coach. I know he'd won a Youngstown State, but like, I, I just think there's this obsession with gold now. And uh, honestly, he was the offensive coordinator for one season. And what, in what was going to happen if they brought Jason Candle? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, honestly, Liam Cohn, okay. Uh, Joe Brady was the other name, by the way, which oh, yeah, would have been right. a sexy that's name. Right. I Guys, with what's going on in Buffalo, Joe Brady might be either the next head coach in Buffalo or a head coaching candidate, again, because that's kind of saved his profile. Tur- but yeah, getting back to this, um, uh, to me, there's a, there's a clear upside and there's a downside to Bill O'Brien beyond a lot of the things we've mentioned. The upside is he's an outsider. And I think coaches are so comfortable in the what I know that it can be tough. It, you almost get into a rut, right? And especially in college football, where college football towns are fiefdoms, where you're very, very rarely challenged the way you are by the media in like uh, in like an NFL market. And I, Urban found that out real quick. Like Jacksonville, as a media market, is very soft comparatively to the other 31 markets in the NFL. But what it does have is it's a it's a bigger pipeline to the national consciousness than maybe the little ebbs and flows that happen on a daily basis in yeah. um, in like a college town. And so I, I what I mean to say is it's really easy to get into the group thing. And so anytime you bring somebody out who isn't part of your tree, who is new, there's real like you can really grow from that, you know. I mean, that's that's uh, that's Kevin Stefanski bringing in Jim Schwartz, right? Here's a guy I don't have a relationship. Now I'm bringing him in. Let's see what bears fruit here. And it, it doesn't always go right, but I do think there's an advantage to if you can really if you can allow yourself to give that person space and in, in, uh, to their experience to grow you and your experience to grow them. Like that can be a real positive thing for both sides here. And the set, now the downside with all this being said is Bill O'Brien's reputation as a human being ain't great. And when, when, and what I mean that, that I don't know if you watched that Tom Brady, uh, the, the documentary he did, like when he, the, like when he first retired or whatever, um, that it was like, they did like seven episodes based on all the, or no, I guess they did 10 episodes based on all his trips to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. And they had, what was the nickname? Bill O'Brien had a nickname. I think it was like um, something like pot, like like a pot because he like it would explode. Uh-huh. Um, 
Cause they just said he like runs hot all the time and he's like always in people's faces and he's like very combative. So yeah, you, I, I think you're, you're onto something there with like how he fits with that dynamic. Um, but we've also seen him. I would imagine if he's had success at the college level and the NFL level, I think he probably knows how to sort of settle into either of those worlds to make it work and connect with the players at the, at each level respectively. No, well, like, and, I, I would and, imagine he has to have some sort of consciousness of what's going on around him where he can kind of dial that back or not when um, depend based on where he's coaching. And I just want to, so I said complications as a person. I, I, so he's just can be a little bit of a difficult because, personality. Uh, by the way, it, it was, it was, I it was the teapot. The teapot well, is what the teapot. Well, real, yeah. real quick. Cause I, just, I made it sound like he was an awful person. Oh, I, no, meant, no, no, like, no, no. I meant more of a dip. Well, in case somebody saw this, I don't want to make it seem like he's a bad man. I, he yeah, just can I be you. a little difficult. So I just want to make clear on that because anytime you talk about somebody personally that you don't sure. know, I'd like to kind of draw a, a no, firm no, no, distinction no. there. I, and and the other part of this is the heartline thing. And I'll be honest with you. One, Brian could have been a head coach yesterday if he wanted to be. And so people worrying that this could lose you Brian Hartline – I think there's always that risk when you bring somebody new into the staff. I mean, if 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 Hartline and O'Brien don't get along, you never know. I mean, Vrabel and, and Urban didn't get along, and that is why Mike Vrabel went to the NFL back in 2013, two years before he won the national title with Urban. Now, what I would say is I think that I would be pretty surprised that with Brian, who, who does not have a lot of play-calling experience, if Ryan didn't already have a conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you're still my guy. You're still the future of this program. I'm going to bring somebody in, and I want you to kind of, you know, get firsthand experience with him. And at some point in a later date, you'll be that guy. I'd be, you, I'd be really shocked if there wasn't three or four conversations leading up to this. You took the words right out of my mouth because I, this is where I want to go next. hundred percent. Like I saw people freaking out, outraged. Oh, how could you do this to Brian Hartline? He's supposed to be the next guy. And I think we've been pretty level-headed on the show about Hartline and his future. And like, yeah, there's a chance that he is the future of this program, maybe as a head coach, maybe in that next phase of that is probably offensive coordinator. But if you are naive enough to think that Ryan Day just like went to bed and woke up yesterday and decided, you know what? I'm just going to hire Bill O'Brien on a whim. I'm not going to tell a soul. I'm just going to, I'm just going to call him up and say, Hey, you want to come be our offensive coordinator? And then I'll smooth things over later. Like, this has and been then, going on. And then for when Hartline wait, and when Hartline found out about it, Ryan Day mushed him. Like he pushed his hand <laughs> to his face and like Heismaned him. Get out of here, oh former OC. Shut o- up, o- nerd. OC by name only. We don't we don't care about what you have to say. Like, no. Like, you only played in the NFL for 10 years, you dick. <laughs> like, if, if you don't think there was conversations had in that building about, hey, this is what we want to do. This is the direction that we want to go. And I'm sure that Brian Hartline was probably in some of these conversations about potential candidates and hearing the names that were floated out there. I would guess, and if I'm wrong, I'll own it one day. If, the, if, if we hear like in a day from now that Brian Hartline's pissed and he's like looking for a new school to go to and all these receivers he's going to bring with them or whatever, then fine, we'll, we'll have to own that. But I would be stunned, absolutely floored, if they didn't have some type of conversation where Brian Hartline was looped in with the understanding, like you alluded to, that, hey, we want you here. We want you to be the future of this program. Let's bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien, who's got veteran play calling experience. You can pick his brain. You can learn the way he ticks, what what has worked for him. And then that hopefully paves the way 
for you to take on that role here down the line and build your resume and build your brand and build your eventual college coach um, platform. So I like, I thought that was a completely moot point. If you're sitting here saying like, this is terrible for Brian Hartline. I can't believe they did him dirty like this. I think that you're not really seeing, I, I think you're guilty of not seeing the forest through the trees here. Like I, I think you're just naive and you don't understand how these things work because this wasn't just an out of whim decision and he, like, it, it wasn't like Ryan Day called up Nick Saban and said, hey, congratulations on the retirement. Who do you think I should hire for offensive coordinator? Oh, this guy? Okay, I'll just hire him without telling my staff. Like, they talked about it. They had to. Well, and I think th- this is like a way ancillary part of the picture. I also think one of the things that allowed Saban's um, legend to grow over time was how he was able to rehabilitate coaches. And you mentioned the magical impact where they'd be like, okay, you've done your two years. Now uh, we're going to release you to new England. And here's a million dollar bonus, right? Like that you're going to get a raise and a better job. And I do think think, real real quick, think of all the coaches that Nick Saban has like rehabbed their image. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. People thought Steve Sarkeesian would never coach again. Now he's that man at Texas. Like, he, he has revived Brian, Brian Dable's trajectory to being a head coach in the NFL started with Saban because he led them to a national championship with Tua. And then he goes to Buffalo and then he goes to New York. Like the, it's crazy how often that happened. And if Ryan day can maybe start doing something similar, like that's a, that's a feather in his cap. Well, and here's the thing, um, you know, you know, another guy that is Brian Dable, the giants head coach, uh, Maryland's head oh, that's, coach. Did, did you not hear what did you, did I break up? Oh, did you say Brian Dable? I said Brian oh my Dable God! Too. Did it? Not, I, had did a, it I had a Dustin like, Fox moment. No, uh, that was unmade. Okay. I thought you that's didn't hear me. That's but no, I mean, so my my point is, like, I I do think. Speaking of forgetting shit, um, I do think like it's it's um, it's almost incalculable how many coaches that Saban rehabilitated. Yeah, and I think if you're Ryan Day, like, you don't really have a coaching tree yet. You're you're what four years into this. Jim Knowles did interview for the Duke job. And there was some scuttlebutt that he might get that, you know, I, I think as you start to kind of, you know, try and plant some things over the next couple of years, I do think having kind of this souped up coaching staff, which at over time, you're going to start to lose. And guys, I think that's only going to help you develop coaches below them, you know, and I listen, I just think you're to a point where you're four years in and I know you had turnover with the defensive side of the ball and you've had a little turnover here, a little turnover there, but this is really the time to say, all right, where are we good? Where do we need help? And I think what's interesting with, with Bill O'Brien is, where does this lead from here, right? What does it mean? At does is there Are there more changes? I would assume that Bill O'Brien's going to be the OC and quarterbacks coach. That's an assumption. But, you know, Alabama's 2024 uh, quarterback, the kid uh, Julian, I'm going to butcher his last name, Sam, Um there's he's in the portal already. There's a rumor that he could be coming to Columbus because of that relationship. But it makes you wonder, like, are they going to have to have a conversation about Justin Fry, depending on how they feel about the offensive line? You know, when you bring in a new offensive coordinator and somebody who's going to have this much control over one side of the ball, it does make you wonder if there are other changes that could be coming down and or whether this is the big change. And I, again, I don't have any knowledge, but I just think it's really interesting with them, you know, they already replaced the the safeties coach. They're already looking for a special teams coach. How much more changes does this lead to on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, it's a good it's a good thought. Um, and I like I just don't 
I don't know. I, I, I can't sit here and act like this is, you know, end of the world stuff here from Ryan day and his team and add it to the list of things that they've completely screwed up and botched. And I also think too, we, we, I mean, I don't know, maybe we try to give Ryan day too much credit on the show at times, but I do think on some level, as we sit back and evaluate everything that's transpired since the, the regular season ended and since the, the, the bowl season ended and they, they lost to Missouri. Like a couple weeks ago, people were still panicking because they had what, 11 guys in the transfer portal or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And oh, what's going to happen? Is this the end of Ohio State? Are they losing their touch? And they've added a number of guys in the transfer portal with more potentially coming. Yep. Um, they've re- they've beefed up the coaching staff. They have um, got, they they still have a top two to three recruiting class in the country since uh, signing day. Like everything has gone other than Michigan going on to win the national championship. Everything has gone relatively good for them to a point where we're having conversations like we had in the last episode about, is this a championship or bus season? So I at least can admire the fact that Ryan day is not just being like, he's not, I'm sure he has an ego. Anybody who's made it to that level of coaching obviously does, but he's not just sticking in his ego and his mind of saying, I have all the answers. I'm going to do it my way for him to be malleable and accept change and be willing to do some of these things and make some of these tough calls, I think speaks a lot to him understanding the message from fans, from boosters, from everybody. Like he knows what has to happen. He knows that this team has to start winning. They have to start beating Michigan. They have to be in that national championship picture. And he's doing everything in his power to do that. So to me, at at face value, like that's maybe what the Bill O'Brien hire means even more. So is just another um, another decision by Ryan Day that's pointing to I'm all in on this. I get what you're what you're telling me, and I'm trying to make sure that I deliver what you're looking for. So I really I I actually think you're heading in a really fun direction, and I actually want to continue with it because I think there's a question we can get to big picture about what has transpired in Columbus, and I also think that's going to lead us into a conversation about what is to come in Columbus or more likely who is to come in Columbus. That's next, but first, a quick word from our sponsors.